Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So tonight we are going to be discussing the new Lannister Tactics deck and units, uh, both combat and non-combat, that were uh, shown in the newest Vision in the Flames. If you guys have not already seen that, go check it out on Simon's A Song of Ice and Fire website. Uh, it should be their newest article. Um, and if you haven't already, definitely go check out uh, On the Table Gaming's uh, podcast where they have on Michael and I believe Fabio to also kind of give you a more in-depth discussion on, uh, you know, behind, almost like a behind-the-scenes uh, look at the Lannister faction for 1.7. So um, tonight with me I have Brett. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I think we can kind of jump right into uh, the tactics cards. Yep. Yeah, I'm ready. So, all right. So first up, we have Intrigue and Subterfuge. Uh, it has been changed to when an enemy NCU activates, that NCU loses all abilities until the end of the round. And if you control the wealth zone, target one enemy combat unit that enemy uh, becomes weakened. Now, I want to say that I I like this card better than it was before. Um, I like the ability to kind of throw a weekend out, and assuming Tywin stays the same, uh, and I guess assuming Pycelle stays the same, um, this is just going to be more, you know, I guess fuel for the fire, you know, of that mechanic. How do you feel about this card? Yeah, um, to be honest, um, owning the crown, if, if you were taking Peter Baelish or if you were running Joffrey or something like this, then uh, it made sense to really push the crown zone uh, or or own it. It's just even, even in 1.6 where it does D3 plus 1 wounds, it's just – it's always like a shot in the dark, right? Um if you don't have a zone replacement effect, it's a shot in the dark to try to do some damage. Um, I like um, cards triggering off of the money bag more. Um, the discard a random card was nice. It was great. Um, you know, when I, when I played Tyrion a lot, I would try to grab the crown uh, if I drew straight into this hand. Or if I had this in my hand in round one, I would just kind of play for the crown just to start getting through your tactics cards that uh, other than that, like it was nice when you had the crown, but uh, a lot of times it's kind of hard to own the crown when that NCU that you want to blank activates because they're normally going early. So um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like the the wealth zone. The wealth zone, the combat zone, and the tactic zone tend to be the three most popular. So this card triggering off the wealth seems like it's more likely that when your opponent activates that NCU that you want turned off, you'll actually own the wealth zone and the weekend token is a really nice effect. Yep. And I'm glad to see that this, you know, the main part of this card uh, has remained, you know, because the added effect is just kind of a bonus. The intrigue and subterfuge is always kind of known for the fact that you could shut off an NCU for the round, and it's just nice to see the Lannister tactics deck retain that ability. Yeah, I like um, it. It was it was never 
it was never over the top. It just gave them some answers to some really powerful meta builds like Walter Frey, Mance NCU, Dire NCU. It felt nice for the Lannisters to have a, a built-in answer to them. Yep. And uh, that they've released, I haven't seen anything, but it is nice that uh, um, there's no way to go get this card back uh, and recycle it that we know of yet. Um, so being able to intrigue and subterfuge uh, something four times could get super annoying, but who knows? A uh, commander might do that, uh, or maybe an NCU might. But as is, uh, it's nice that, um, you know, it's pretty much you, you got two copies and you got to use it wisely. Uh, next up, we have a Lannister pays his debts at the start of a turn. Target one friendly combat unit and attach this card to them until the end of the game. When a friendly infantry or cavalry unit is destroyed, place one order token on this card. While this card has a token, that attached unit's melee attacks gain vicious, and while you control the crown, you get plus one to hit. Now, I want to kind of start off by saying it's nice to see this card uh, kind of add something that I feel like Lannisters didn't get a lot of, and that's uh, just straight up like raw, like power for attacking. You know, it. Um, I like like with the other factions. I like how you know they've changed all the when a unit is destroyed to start of a turn, get it out out onto a unit, then you wait for someone to die to make the card uh, activated. But I like that this card kind of just. You put it on a unit, and as soon as you have someone die, you know, you're just pushing their raw damage. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think there were some corner cases where the old version of a Lannister pays his debts was nice to have. Lannisters didn't have a lot of access to vulnerable tokens. Uh, panic tokens are always nice, but... Uh, in the case of secret missions, I could see this card in conjunction with Pycel being like super clutch to get those three tokens out on a unit. Uh, that was worth a lot of points. Um, other than that, uh, if you had it, you played it. Uh, it was often fodder for Tyrion's order. Um, it just wasn't like a, a game-breaking card. <laughs> you played it if you happened to have it in your hand, but it wasn't something you were holding on to unless you were holding on to it to throw out for Tyrion's order. Yeah, exactly. It was definitely the one card uh, in the ta- in the original Tactics deck that I just never liked seeing. Even if something was close to dying, I didn't like seeing the card. I rarely got the second effect off on uh, on it, so it was usually just a couple tokens uh, for whenever I got to play it. So I I would say out of the new tactics deck shown this is probably my uh absolute favorite change uh it they took you know in my opinion the worst card of the tactics deck and made it uh, a card that you definitely want to see because uh if we start seeing a lot of like negative modifiers to hitting um that plus one to hit is going to be you know super valuable uh, next up, we have Hear Me Roar. 
When an enemy is performing a morale test before dice are rolled, that enemy suffers minus one to their roll, an additional minus one for each of their destroyed ranks. On a failure, they suffer one wound, or plus one wound on a failed panic test. So, um, and this one uh, is worded, I feel like, a little uh, goofy, but I... I don't know, I I know why it's worded the way it's worded is because uh now it's uh working on morale tests but I I don't know I feel like there might be a way to clean it up a little more uh, cuz first couple read throughs it's really it, it kind of uh I don't know for me it confused me the first couple read throughs but uh with that said I absolutely love the change to hear me roar uh, I think, you know, the the fact that you can have it combined with morale tests, um, as we'll see with uh, um, subjugation of power and uh, just any effect that might just be a morale test, it's just nice that it, they've added the versatility of, you know, this card being played on it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's a really nice... Uh... It's a nice change for um, it's something like the Sentinel Enforcer if he maintains taunt, uh, helping to push those morale tests through to get the result that you want. And then adding the uh, the wound is always going to be helpful. It's, it's not the three wounds of paid mutiny, so it's unlikely that you're really poaching an enemy and killing them off with it, but it's possible if their health is low that you can kill them off by playing this on a on a morale test, but I like it. I like the flexibility. I like the change. Um, I'm fine with losing out on the panic token when you own the crown. Um, and it's a, just a flat plus one wound on failing panic. So uh, it'd be a minus one with plus one wound at if they're at full rank. So it's nice that you can get that bonus straight away. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, and... Uh... It's the only card, uh, from what I see, uh, looking at all of them, that doesn't require a spot on the tactics board. So that's that's pretty nice. Um, you know, panic going to only D3. The fact that Hear Me Roar is going to add uh, an additional wound on there, you know, puts it kind of back to the normal damage that you would be taking. Uh, so yeah, I would say I would I think this is by far than the original Hear Me Roar. Um, because, you know, you don't have to get that crown in order to get a panic token on there. You can just find other outlets to throw a panic on a unit and then play this. Um, next up, we have Bribery, uh, a card that we had seen, at least by name, when, in the original uh, neutral tactics deck, um, which is now when a friendly NCU claims a zone, Replace that zone effect with target one enemy combat unit and attach the bribery card to them until they pass a morale test or tar are targeted by the wealth zone. While attached, this u unit attacks using its lowest attack die value. And I know one thing you had brought up uh, um, or pointed out in uh, the Three Sales Gaming uh, podcast is that, you know, if you have an ability that allows you to attack at highest attack die value and you have this attached to them, uh, this will 
supersede the highest attack die value, which makes sense because if you go by the uh, priority um, when you're attacking, it's obviously their priority, meaning... I mean, I guess, is do you know for sure if that's um, why uh, bribery would uh, supersede the other one? I guess now that I'm saying it, if, let's say, someone was able to attack as a reaction on your opponent's uh, turn, would bribery not be in effect over because bribery would kick in, but then the highest attack diet value would kick in over it? Well, hold on. What's the question? <laughs> so I know in Three Cells Gaming, you pointed out how they kind of confirmed somewhere that, uh, you know, the high, if you have a high, uh, uh, an effect that allows you to attack at your highest attack die value, and then you also have bribery on there to swing at the lowest attack die value, that uh, bribery would, uh, is you would attack at the lowest. Correct. Yeah, it's just straight, it's just straight up in the rule book. There, there's a section in the rule book. I can't remember what page, but it's in the it's in the core rule book. Because uh, my question was is that um, does it matter whose turn it is? Like, is it in the rule book that says it's because yeah, it's a, you know when no, you're attacking, you is, usually have priority. No, it's the rule book just straight up says that they are ever. Uh, two effects, one that would make you roll your highest and one that would make you lo- roll your lowest, you roll your lowest. It doesn't give an explanation. Okay. It just straight, straight up clarifies it. So I want to say that uh, that's huge um, because I think the the prime target for this card is going to be like a ranged unit. Um, you know, they tend to drop pretty heavily when at last rank. Um, and, you know, you probably won't be attacking them very much, you know, at least not for a while. So unless they have something to force themselves to take a morale test, you're forcing your opponent to have to take the, the wealth zone to finally get this card off. And if you time it just right, let's say, uh, you know, it's their, your opponent's turn and they take the free attack you then respond by taking uh, the wealth zone, replacing it. Uh, not that you have to take the wealth zone. It says uh, just when you claim a zone, but you would obviously want to take the wealth so that they don't take it and remove it right away. Uh, place this on a ranged unit that could be attacking at like, I don't know, three or four dice. I don't know uh, if any goes low as three, but at least four dice. Uh and then you're going to go first next round. You take the wealth so that they can't that round. And then the round after that, you force them to have to take the wealth before you, or else, I mean, this unit could, that unit could be rolling their lowest attack die like the whole game. And I, I would argue that that could essentially take them out of the fight. What do you think? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely designed to be a bit of a crippler. So, um, yeah, it it what you're saying makes sense. Yeah, you're you're making them prioritize the wealth zone if they want to get this unit back up to efficiency. Um, and if they don't, then 
I guess it's a win for you, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think so the I card say, does say, doesn't it say you have to replace the wealth zone with bribery, or it, it is any zone? Uh, when a friendly NCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with. So okay. your opponent has to take the wealth, but you can take any zone. Okay, gotcha. That's fine. I, I thought, uh, I know the neutral version, you, you can only play this card off of the wealth zone. Okay. Yeah. I'm confused. Just move on. That's fine. <laughs> You're good. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say the only uh, two things that kind of worry me about this card is, I, which I guess is sort of fine because it can be so crippling, is that uh, if you face uh, an army that has self-triggering morale tests, um, I don't know if like the sparrow ends up having it or any relore stuff. Um, you'll have to kind of watch out for that. And that could kind of make this card a dud because, you know, uh, it would obviously just fall off almost immediately. Um, and the only other thing that kind of makes me iffy about this card is the fact that you want the wealth zone. And by putting this card on your opponent, you are enticing them to take the wealth zone from you not only to stop your wealth zone effects but to get this card off so um i think it's it's one of those high risk high reward i guess it's like it's like the biggest high risk high reward out of the tactics deck just because of the potential of it but also you know the potential downsides yeah i mean i quite like the card but um, next up, we got Counterplot. When an opponent plays a Tactics card, before resolving that card, roll a die on a 3-up, cancel the effect of that Tactics card, uh, and if you control the crown, you may re-roll this die. So uh, Counterplot has not changed one little bit, except for changing the wording to be more clear of when it was meant to uh, trigger. Um, but overall, it has not changed in its function. Um, also a great, you know, staple card that I think, uh, a lot of people would have been mad about if, uh, it was taken out of the deck, but, um, you know, it makes sense that it's still in there. And, uh, it's one of those really strong cards that, uh, I thought, you know, was perfectly fine. So it's nice that they just kind of left it as is. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's uh, it's such a unique card to the Lannister identity. I know that uh, we saw some other pretenders get it, but uh, for the most part, um, when you think of this card, you think of Lannisters. So I think it was very important to uh, card for them. Um, when you don't have the ability, like you said, to recycle a whole bunch of cards, which uh, again we haven't seen every commander. We don't know if Tyrion does his old Tyrion stuff. Um, counterplot's not that bad of a card. It's good, it's strong, but it's not ridiculously overpowered. Um, so I'm happy to see it stay the same. And on that on that same token, most tactics cards have been toned down. So uh, having you know the counter to the few that are very 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 powerful feels feels right to me. 
Yeah, I think with that said, it, it'll be interesting because counterplot for me, um, unless there was like a very key card that my opponent could like use to swing the game, uh, counterplot I usually kind of just used on the first strong card my opponent played. And I wouldn't say like what I, like an actual strong card, not just like any card, but the first strong one. And the only reason is so I could kind of get through my deck I didn't want to be holding on to a counterplot the whole game. But now with yeah. uh, a lot of tactics cards being toned down, I think uh, it might be more viable to actually hold it um, until you can, you know, to, uh, or use it on, like, a very key, you know, strong card. Yep. If I play against Baratheons, I'm taking Pyromancers. If I'm playing against Baratheons and taking Pyromancers, this card is for Final Strike too. <laughs> Um, that card is capable of ending you, uh, especially since you see Pyromancers have seven attack dice and they have the capabilities of doing five wounds from Panic. They could take 12 hits back for one-shotting a unit. So uh, go counterplot. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, it. super strong cards is not something you're going to see all the time, but now that they're kind of only a couple... Uh, like super strong ones in each deck, uh, I think it'll, you know, you're going to want to hold counterplot for certain key cards now, more so than you had to before. Um, next up we'll talk about is subjugation of power. When an enemy combat unit activates, that enemy, enemy performs one morale test. For each zone you control among the crown and the wealth, they suffer minus two to their role. On a failure, until the end of the turn, they cannot be targeted by friendly tactics cards and lose all abilities. So, um, important thing to note for this card is it only really shuts off offensive abilities unless you can perform an action on your opponent's turn. Uh, but the fact that you can get a minus four out of it uh, is really strong because um, you can, you know, potentially, uh, I mean, most things should fail uh, at minus four. Uh, and, you know, not having, you know, not being able to play ta uh, tax cards and losing all abilities can be pretty key for, you know, something that really needed like a charge bonus or um, not necessarily like the actual words of a charge bonus, like rerolls, but like, um, their bonuses for charging in, uh, whether it be whatever lances end up being or any other effect that only triggers when charging because it's an ability. Um, even just tactics cards that you could have played to give extra abilities. Uh, I think this card is going to be um, super important in... Uh, yeah, like almost even what you're saying about pyromancers. You know, uh, no matter who you face, you know, the pyromancers are fairly flimsy, and being able to turn off a ton of stuff of your opponent that's going to try to charge into your pyromancers, you know, could completely be the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep, I totally agree. It's something I can see. Uh, Something I can see us um, seeing happen a lot. Uh, Pyromancers being back on the table. 
I'm so sorry for everybody. I'm, I'm having a little bit of a difficult time. I got a little, little stomach bug. So if I, if I seem a little bit distant or talking far away, that's what's going on. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry about that. No excuses. I don't accept no, I it. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's going to accept it. <laughs> um, then the rule. Book. Last up, we. Then the rule. Book. <laughs> It's, yeah, <laughs> it's at the end, the very last page. Um, last up, we have Fealty to the Crown. When an enemy fails a panic test, target one friendly unit in long range. For each wound that enemy suffered from this panic test, restore one wound to that friendly unit up to three. If you control the crown, restore plus one wound to a max of four. So I definitely like... Uh, that they kind of did a lateral change for this one. I like the fact that they've toned down the amount of healing that this card can do while, uh, I believe, increasing the range. Because um, I want to say uh, before it was only, uh, yeah, short range. And I also love that uh, they fixed up the wording. So now it just says wounds. It doesn't say models. So you just simply restore wounds to cav. Um, you can do wounds to a cav and then restore wounds. Um, I just I absolutely love the change to this card. Yeah, they 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 fixed this one right up. Uh, the long range is really 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 nice and flexible. Um, the fact that it can heal cavalry as well. Um, is really, really, really nice. It can heal, um, you know, a solo, uh, you know, once we finally get a mountain that rides. Uh, I am super-duper happy with this one. Um, the other one, like you said, is fairly limited. If you pull the panic test off on a cavalry unit, you had to either hope that they had one wound left on one model and they crit failed so that you removed two models, or that uh, you own the crown just to get the plus two in the old version to make it somewhat worth playing. But now you can you can uh, get it straight away and and be happy with it. So I'm I'm definitely happy with this card. It's my favorite um, reworked. Yeah, I. It's probably just me, but I had such bad luck with this card for like the reasons kind of mentioned is you know the short range before uh, i can't tell you how many times that uh something out of short range would fail the panic and then the things within the short range would pass uh it just i would never you know when i wanted to use it i never had the crown to get the bonus before i mean granted the bonus now for this one is just uh plus one wound so it's not like critical to have the crown it's more of a if you have it awesome but you're not you're not going to like go out of your way to try to set up to get this extra wound um but for me i just had really bad luck with that short range limitation and then also with the limitation of uh calvary i can't tell you how many times i threw the card down uh after attacking a cav thinking I was going to heal a bunch, and they're like, nope, uh, one wound or something. And I'm just like, all right, uh, <laughs> I guess one wound. So, yeah. yeah, I would say out of everything that's been changed, um, yeah, I would say uh, 
fealty to the crown and then probably Lannister pays his debts um, are like my two favorite uh, changes here. Uh, I, I want to say it's really nice to see that the deck as a whole has, is really close to what it already was, you know, uh, with hear me roar counterplot fealty to the crown, all being just kind of cleaned up. Uh, and those were kind of, and intrigue and subterfuge kind of being better with a better effect. Those four cards, you know, were kind of, in my opinion, like the, the key cards that kind of the identity more so than the other ones were. So it's nice to see if they kept those four while, in my opinion, making them better. Um, and then taking the worst card, Lannister pays his debts and then making it, uh, even better. So overall, I want to say this tactics deck is really strong, uh, really fun. Uh, if you look at, uh, the timings on all the cards, I mean, they're all relatively different. Um, so you're going to have no problem kind of shooting through using all your cards and just drawing more and, you know, not really having to worry about that uh, max uh, hand size. So uh, let's see. So one thing um, about the units, unfortunately, we only have one to really talk about. Uh, we have already gone over the halberdiers, pyromancers, and guardsmen in other uh, shows uh, for the reveals. So um, we'll just be going over the Poor Fellows uh, for this one. Uh, the Poor Fellows is a five-move, a six-up defense, and a four-up morale. They hit on fives with six, five, four. And then they have two faith uh, abilities. One is uh, this unit begins the game with one faith token. Each time this unit passes a morale test, it gains one faith token. Each time this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, it may expend one faith token. If it does, this attack gains precision and may re-roll any attack dice. And then the other ability is each time this unit activates, it may expend one faith token. If it does, it restores two wounds plus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. And it is only a four-point unit. Now, my first thoughts on these guys were... Uh, in my opinion, they're better than they were before, and now they're one point cheaper. Um, I just, I find it as uh, probably the best bargain, uh, arguably the best bargain of 1.7 so far. Um, I think you're going to be seeing, you know, a ton of these guys in most lists, even if they're not faith lists, I mean, a four-point activation that has 12 wounds, uh, a morale that's good enough that uh, you can reliably say that they're probably not going to fail it. I mean, as I've already kind of talked about before, that six-up defense kind of sucks. But, uh, I mean, I run berserkers all the time, and I can't tell you how many times I get a minus one. So, I mean, they're they're basically a five up, four up, you know, talking about 1.6 berserkers. And I survived just fine with, uh, you know, just trying to splash in some defensiveness. And then these guys being able to uh, heal when they activate, I'm just, I'm surprised these guys actually aren't five points. Um, so time will tell. Uh, but 
I'm not saying that like they're super easy five points. I think at five points they would just be okay, like the, an okay five point unit. Um, at four points, I think they're just amazing. Uh, how do you feel about these guys, Brett? Yeah, they're definitely really strong. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure that somebody will run three, four units of them just to get their activation count up, but I'm not completely convinced that uh, having a really high activation count is how you win games in the 2021 edition. Um, I know that that's what everybody's used to with 1.6. I'm not sure that that translates over. Um, these guys fighting even just one unit that has Agile, uh, they'll just never kill them. Um, or something with super high defense, I know that uh, Precision is going to basically do the auto wound, but I just don't see these guys coming in, even if it's two-on-one and, and doing enough damage. I don't know if two of them fighting one Stagnite even is enough to bring the Stagnites down, depending on, you know, Commander and things like this. Um, so we'll see. I more or less see them as, uh, you know, I have the NCUs that I want and I've got four points left, uh, I'll plug these guys in. Uh, as a Lannister player, that happened a lot to me where I just was begging for just a, a four-point unit to help me uh, push my units, push my army into that eight activation spot where you wanted to be in 2020 or in 1.6. So they, to me, they filled that role. But as far as spamming them, I mean, you could run seven or eight of them with some NCUs, but that just to me, it's not a scary army. Um, but I guess, again, we'll see. I think they're yeah, good. I, I think agree. They're, be, they're a good, solid tar pit. They're a good objective holder, but I don't see much else from them. Yep. And I wouldn't say, uh, yeah, it's spamming these guys, like a ton of them, it's probably not going to be a smart move, like you were saying, in 1.7, especially uh, not only Agile, but um, like the Bloody Mummers have the Skirmishers, you know, Counter-Strike. I mean, so what if you get like a Precision or two, you know, to deal Wound or two, if Counter-Strike's then going to throw all of those other attacks back at you on a 6-up save? Um, I think... Uh, I think these guys are going to almost be in like a, a one of, I, I don't want to say auto include, cause, but like a one of in most every list because, you know, just getting that cheap four activation allows you to spread a little more points around to your other units to kind of maybe get maybe, uh, you know, some more pyromancers or, you know, your more pricier units, you know, seven, eight, uh, if they end up having anything seven or up costs, or even just maybe fit some more attachments in there. Because um, I think these guys uh, might not be able to poke much damage out, uh, even with three rolls of precision, but uh, they'll definitely be able to hold their own as far as, uh, you know, healing back up and just kind of staying around for longer than your opponent wants to probably invest in them. I mean, granted, if you get like some super strong unit and charge into them, they're probably not going to last that long. But you take like an average like unit 
against these guys, and they're probably going to tar pit them for quite a while for their point cost. Yeah, I think they um, can. All right, let's see here. So, uh, kind of talk about uh, Cersei a little bit, even though we've uh, already seen her. But now that we've seen the tactics deck, we can kind of elaborate a little more about what she does. So she is a four-point NCU. She begins the game with two order tokens. Each time Cersei claims a zone, you may remove one order token from her. If you do, perform the following. If you control the crown, search your tactics deck or discard pile for one Hear Me Roar card and add it to your hand, shuffle your tactics deck. If you control the Wealth Zone, search your Tactics deck or discard pile for one Subjugation of Power card and add it to your hand, shuffle your Tactics deck. So now that we know what Subjugation of Power and uh, the Hear Me Roar are officially doing, I'd say, I don't know, I'd say she's good. Um, but uh, to kind of jump over to our next NCU to kind of, elaborate a little more about Cersei is we have Joffrey Baratheon at four points. Uh, each time Joffrey claims the, uh, a zone other than the crown, your opponent may target one of your combat units. They become panicked. While Joffrey is on the tactics board, you count as controlling the crown. And he has an influence effect that while influencing enemy, uh, that enemy suffers plus one wound when failing a panic test. Now, Joffrey... Uh, you going first and immediately placing Joffrey on the wealth means you're going to be able to control both effects for Cersei. And then when Cersei uh, uh, claims his own, you can remove and go get two of her cards. In my opinion, in order to make Cersei kind of worth her points, you need to get about three of her cards. Um, preferably two of them from the discard pile, one from the deck. Uh, and I only say that when you're comparing her to your other options that we're going to be going over in a second with uh, Tyrion and Tywin. I think in order for Cersei to really, you really have to try to bonus up on her uh, getting more cards and you don't want to just be pulling them from the tactics deck unless you think it's going to, you know, you're going to be able to set up a situation later in that round where you're going to need them right then and there. But, um, so yeah, I, I would say Cersei is definitely uh, a strong NCU that uh, is going to take a little, you're going to have to try to plan it out right to get her value out of, uh, she's not going to be something that you can kind of just run at four points, just kind of get two cards from your tactics deck, like one Hear Me Roar uh, and or Subjugation of Power from your tactics deck and, you know, expect her to really be worth her four points. You're really going to have to try to get some out of the discard pile and get multiples at least at one point with uh, having both zones. How do you feel about Cersei? Brett? Yeah, that's mostly true. If you're if you're running um, a Lannister Supremacy heavy list or otherwise a Panic heavy list and you're running Joffrey and Cersei, I, I see a lot of value there. That's a really, really, really nasty duo. Um, this is going to be really, really punishing. Um, and yeah, to, to to some extent, yeah, I, I 
I think you need to definitely get more than just two cards from her ability. Um, for me, I would be fishing for um, the Hear Me Roar a little bit more than Subjugation of Power, but there is a possibility, depending on who I'm facing, that I would want the Subjugation of Power more. So um, shutting off those offensive abilities can be really, really good. Um, so I, I see them as a pretty big, I, I don't want to say power couple because they're <laughs> they're mother and son. <laughs> they're definitely uh, there's there's some there's some potent combinations that you can do with them together. Yeah, and uh, for me, anyways, it's just like how I would just feel like if I'm gonna run her, I'm really gonna try to cycle through my deck and try to use her late game. Uh, unless, you know, something I couldn't ignore, you know, presented itself that I had to do it sooner. But I'd try to, you know, in an ideal situation, I'm getting both effects, both times, and all four cards from the discard pile. Because um, really, you just need to get one copy of each into the discard pile to then make sure that both of her tokens that you use are going to get you those copies. So you don't. it's not like you have to get uh, both copies of each one in order to pull that combo off. So it's not as hard as it may seem. And that's kind of how it was for like with uh, Sansa for 1.6 is that I almost never actually used her to fish in my deck for a card. I always felt her most val- the most value I got out of her was using a super strong card three times in a game. For example, uh, if I ran her with my Blackfish, um, I'd, you know, set for charge three times in a game because, you know, it's just that card itself was, like, game-changing. So unless I absolutely had to, I never went into the into the deck anyways before she got changed. So, uh, so that's kind of how I feel with Cersei here. Uh, and then to kind of elaborate a little more about uh, Joffrey, I think uh, we'll talk about uh, obviously Tyrion and Tywin in just a second, but before talking about them, I think Joffrey at four points is probably uh, best value NCU. For, you know, I'm not saying he is the strongest. He's not stronger than Tyrion or Tywin. It's obviously they're they're five and six points, as we'll get to in a second. But I think for his point cost, in comparison, his value is the best of these four NCUs. Um, the fact that you have, uh, you know, uh, let's see, four tactics cards that all require the crown. Um, and now he also gives a a way to not have your unit panicked if you take the crown with him. And he gives out an influence for plus one wound uh, when failing a panic test. I just, I think he is amazing. I almost, again, uh, not auto-include, but he is so good that he is going to be in most of my Lannister lists. Just because, I mean, the ability to not have to worry about a zone, especially a zone that you might not want to be taking, if you're only, especially if you're only running two NCUs, uh, I think it's nearly priceless. What do you think, Brett? 
Yeah, I, I, I think he's. Yeah, he's really strong. He's adding a lot for full points. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the setting off the tactics cards, um, as well as certain, within my opinion, the stronger portion of Cersei's ability. But um, I guess for the, the the question really becomes now at this point at uh, the Kingsguard, um, do they function similarly? <laughs> do they want the card or do they want the crown zone to be able to get a really cool effect? Have they been reworked in some type of way? Maybe they don't have this mechanic anymore. That's like, for me, that's like the ultimate question for Joffrey and CU. Um, he was strong even in 1.6 without the King's Guard, but when you added the King's Guard attachments to his list, he became incredible. So um, I'm very curious to see the King's Guard and what's what's going on with them. Um, if the King's Guard are solid, if they're bringing a lot to the table, then he's by far uh, amazing value for four points. Yeah, I didn't even think about the King's Guard. I forgot all about him. Uh, I would, I mean, everything I had said just for your, um, what you were saying, I would still say all that even if the King's Guard end up not having any of those crown abilities, uh, that's how like high I value his effects now. Um, if the King's Guard all have crown abilities, uh, I think if you're going to run any of them, like he's almost an auto-include because now you have so many effects that will require the crown. And then in combination, if you run Cersei, because uh, you, know, you might just run her, maybe you don't have the points, the five or six points, so you run her anyways uh, for another four-point NCU. Um, I think the more effects that you're going to need the crown or and or wealth zone for, uh, you're going to want to run Joffrey. And the only reason I say wealth is because, you know, you can, on your turns, just plop him on the wealth and then control both. So, um, so yeah, I I absolutely love Joffrey. Um, I think his change uh, wasn't necessarily needed, uh, but that's because I value Joffrey pretty high already. I think probably just for the grand scheme of the game, uh, maybe not enough people were kind of running him that now this, uh, I think this should be more than enough to entice people to be running him a lot. Uh, next up, we have Tyrion Lannister for five points. Uh, he has tactical mastermind. Your maximum tactics hand size is uh, increased by plus one. You start the game with four cards and may draw up to four cards when refilling your hand. Once per game, when an opponent plays a tactics card, before resolving that tactics card, you may search your tactics deck or discard pile for one counterplot card and play it. Shuffle your tactics deck. So uh, for five points, I'd say with his uh, counterplot part, um, He's definitely, uh, I would say he's a solid five points. I wouldn't say he's like an amazing five points, but I think uh, five points is right where he needs to be, um, especially with the tactics card uh, hand size being limited now. Uh, giving plus one to that is huge. Starting the game with an extra card in your hand is huge. And then, in my opinion, you're going to want a counterplot already in the discard pile, as I've already mentioned before. That's just me, though. 
you know, there might be that situation that something comes up that you absolutely have to go get one from your deck. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I think uh, Tyrion is definitely going to see a lot of play. I actually have been playing with uh, his current version a lot lately, and uh, I think I'll probably be running him even more now, even for that extra one point. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, I think he's really good. As I mentioned before, I'm sure there's other cards like Final Strike, but you know, if I'm playing Pyromancers, and especially if I'm up against Baratheons, he's a must-have. Um, Counterplot could be the card that saves your expensive bunker, your hero unit, your elite unit, so being able to go get it whenever you want it is pretty pretty good and that's I mean that's a hell of a card so that's a hell of a card to be able to go get it fits with him thematically I like it from from all angles I I do like Tyrion um I have uh played with him I raid him uh, I like him so yep so in his current version not that we necessarily need to compare the two but uh, I I'm only going to kind of bring it up because I want to mention how I think the plus one point increase uh, is more than justified is that, um, you know, before he added plus one to your hand size and you drew an extra card, uh, all that was the same. But so what you're trading off here is the fact that now the game has a hand card limit. So that actually makes his base ability worth more than it was before um, because you're really going to be hard pressed sometimes to want to draw more cards, but you need to get through the cards you have currently. And, you know, as we've already gone over, the tactics deck is really strong. It's really good. So it's going to be harder to tell yourself, Oh, I'll just pitch these cards, you know, discard them at the end of the round to hopefully draw more next round. Well, these cards are good enough that you're not necessarily going to want to just, you know, throwing, you know, start throwing away your cards. So him giving you plus one to the max hand size is huge. Not only that, then we go to his other uh, part to go get one uh, counterplot deck or discard. I like that way better, or one counterplot deck or discard. I like that way better than his two order token thing because more often than not, when you use those, your opponent just gave you two crappy cards uh, or, like, one crappy one and one okay one. And, you know, it, it's a nice ability. I like it. I still run him as his 1.6, but I would much rather just have a counterplot in my hand and then be able to shut off, un, you know, unexpectedly, uh, or at least from my opponent, you know, a strong card of theirs. Uh so I think uh, the one-point increase is definitely uh, worth it, and I'll definitely still be running him. Uh, next up, we have Tywin Lannister. Uh, he is six points. Uh, I believe the first six-point NC we have seen, and he is definitely worth the six points if you use him right. Uh, but that was kind of how he already was at his current version at four points. If you used him bad, he, in my opinion, was not worth four points. If you, but if you used him right, 
he was easily worth his four points. It really came down to how you used him. So now he he still has a once-per-game ability, which is at the start of any turn, target any number of enemy combat units. Uh, First ability is one of the those enemies becomes panicked, one of those enemies becomes vulnerable, one of those enemies suffers four hits, one of those enemies suffers one panic test, one of those enemies loses all abilities until the end of the round, and the same combat units may be targeted by multiple effects. So, with that said, uh, this... You know, six points is a hefty price, especially after already talking about the poor fellows being four points. I mean, that's poor fellows plus a two-point attachment. Or, heck, that's, you know, poor fellows and then NCU like Cersei or Joffrey, eight points. I mean, that's only a two-point difference. Uh, but it that comes down to being smart about when you play him. I think if you're smart about it, he is easily worth six points. Um, and can be a game changer. But then, and then again, I mean, I think a, a six-point NCU should be a game changer. I mean, he is the price of a, a solid unit in himself. You know, a unit of uh, let's see, we'll say halberdiers uh, that we have shown. You know, you ask yourself, do you want Tywin, or do you want a unit of halberdiers? What would uh, you know do better for you? I think uh, on average, I think Halberdiers might do better for you, but I think uh, Tywin's ability has a much higher ceiling for paying off if you use it in the right moment. Now, uh, Brett, I know you absolutely love uh, current Tywin. How do you feel about this uh, change? Oh, he's a total nightmare for your opponent. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's great. Um, Totally worth six points, in my opinion. Um, very little hard control in this game, really, if any. Um, we've seen Stannis can take abilities off, but it costs a condition token. He can only pick one at a time. Um, this is just disgustingly powerful. Um, he can literally kill a unit at the start of any turn. And the four hits with Vulnerable, and then the panic test with a panic token, if he's got either of his kids there um, or his his daughter and his grandkid, I guess. Uh, If he's got either Joffrey or Cersei, that panic test can become exponentially more powerful. Um, Yeah, he's just really, really nasty. It can kind of set off a chain of events too, triggering it at the start of any turn. You can play that panic test where they hear me roar, back it up by a fealty to the crown, and really just flip the game upside down on your opponent. I like his possibilities. Yep, and, and uh, I mean, his first four abilities, you can use all in one unit to really ensure they die. And then no, uh, banking on the fact that they will die. Uh, or let's see. So you target them one at a time, right? So you wouldn't have to choose each ability until the previous ability is resolved, Correct. Correct. So, yeah, yeah you order. could panic. You do them in any order you want. Yeah, so you could panic an enemy, vulnerable that same enemy, or you could even uh, you could uh, vulnerable that enemy, make them take the four hits, and then make them re-roll those hits because those hits will cause defensive saves with the vulnerable token 
does let you reroll. If they live it, you put the panic on them, then you target it with the panic test, and then if they die, you go, okay, I'll make this other unit lose all abilities. Or if they somehow live and they were a key unit, you go, okay, now I'm going to make them lose all abilities. So I think uh, think the potential for him is just so great. Uh, and like you were saying, you know, you combined it with some of the other effects, like their tactics cards or Joffrey. You know, you put Joffrey for the plus one wound for the failing the panic. Uh, you know, their tactics cards, you know, have a fealty in your of the crown in your hand. So now they're taking plus one from Joffrey. And now uh, that obviously means you control the crown because Joffrey's on the Now you're healing upwards of four wounds to someone after that unit just bit the dust from a panic test. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, you're going to be seeing a lot of Tywins uh, in some higher, higher level play. Um, a lot of, I think, super competitive lists are going to have him because he's just going to be too uh, clutch to, uh, you know, not take. He's going to, he's going to give you the ability to, maybe turn a game that was kind of even greatly in your favor, or even if in a game where you're super behind, turn the game to back into a fighting chance. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, he's, it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of plays out. Yeah. So, um, as you all probably already guessed that, uh, you know, it's a shorter episode. That's because uh, a lot of the stuff that they show, sh- you know, had shown in this reveal was already uh, released. So Cersei, we didn't talk about as much. And then there's, you know, Firemaster's Halberdier's Guardsman, which we already talked about. All super good units, in my opinion. Uh, arguably the best uh, five-point unit at, for Guardsmen. Um, because of the updated Lannister supremacy. Uh, Halberdiers, really great, because now that they uh, can do their set for charge on the flanks. Um, and Pyromancer is just getting overall buff. Uh, they're uh, almost, I would say, for this game, the definition of glass cannon. Um, so, and then, but I think... Uh, what was already a great unit just got better. So it'll be interesting to see how people kind of build their list now that they have so many great options, in my opinion. Great options with NCUs, great options with units, and an overall better tactics deck, in my opinion. So uh, with that said, uh, we can kind of come to the close and give the shout-outs. I want to shout-out Sunday Slaughter, uh, amazing uh, YouTube channel podcast uh, does a bunch of battle reports, I believe, bi-weekly or weekly. I can't remember for that one, but they do do a weekly uh, podcast. So definitely go check them out. If you're able to, uh, they do have a Patreon. You can uh, support them there or you can just support them by uh, you know, sharing out their content. Uh, and then Brett, uh, if you want to kind of shout out the, the Adepticon uh, event, yeah, it's coming up quickly on us, isn't it? It's two weeks away now. Um, if you haven't had, taken the opportunity to sign up or uh, if you don't have the staff page to where you can sign up, just get in touch with me and I can still 
I can still get you on the list. I can manually add you. Um, I think we're at 14 players now, which, you know, under the circumstances, that's pretty solid. I'd like to see us get to 20 again, like we did at the last event, maybe even 24 would be fantastic. Um, just really looking forward to it. I've got price support coming from Simon. Additionally, I've got um, uh, Jim Ludwig was kind enough to get me some of these very hard to find alternate sculpts uh, that, Michael Chanel Dreadfort Captain, Rob Stark's alternate model, Sandor Clegane, and um, the Hound. Wait, Sandor Clegane is the Hound. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got four of them. Well, I think it was Champion of the Faith, the alt Champion of the Faith. The four real hard ones to find. I've got those. I'm contributing those into the pool. Uh, he also sent me just – I didn't even expect it, but he sent me the promo Renly and Stannis, the gold models. So – those will be up for grabs as well. Uh, we always have a lot of fun in Indy. Uh, just come hang out with us, talk to us. Uh, you know, we'll be hanging out before and after the event. Uh, just be a really good time. So um, if you're on the fence, you should definitely consider uh, giving in and, and going. It's always a really fun time. Yep, I agree. Uh, I try to go to every single one that I can out in Indy. Uh you know, being held at uh, Family Time Games, uh, which is ran by and owned by uh, Shane, amazing guy, uh, does a lot for the community. Um, you know, they're going to be following all of the, uh, you know, precautions and everything uh, that the state requires. And uh, Small Council Radio will also be uh, bringing a bunch of prize support. I believe we are throwing in about five boxes, unit boxes into the prize pool, as well as a bunch of like tokens, rulers uh, from um, some uh, uh, third-party makers, and then a bunch of uh, faction uh, card sleeves that you can uh, also get. So tons of prizes. So even if you maybe don't think that you're, you know, super competitive or maybe haven't played enough, uh, definitely, you know, you know, come have a good time. There's tons of prizes for, you know, everyone, you know, not even just uh, those that take, you know, the top placings. Um, I know I'll be there for about four days, Thursday through Sunday. So we're going to be having a blast, uh, you know, every day, not just uh, uh, the days of the tournament. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, And I hope to see you all there. Uh, With that said, make sure to like, uh, follow us, and share out our page wherever you can. Uh, We do our show every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, every other Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Um, And we don't have a Patreon, but uh, if you want to help us out, just, you know, share us out wherever you can. You know, uh, tell us, you know, word of mouth to all your friends. You know, and, you know, that's, I guess, all we ask. And uh, we appreciate all you guys that listen to our show. With that said, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>